Good morning. How is everyone? Excellent. Open in your Bibles to uh, Leviticus chapter 13, please. Yeah, Leviticus, I know, right? Who preaches from there? Um, when I was uh, a little kid, I remember um, I used to pick my nose. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, I have, I have a little booger. It was like full-on going digging for gold, sort of picking out your seat at the ball game, kind of picking my nose. And not only would I pick my nose, once I would, once I would uh, engage in this activity, I would wipe the boogers on, like, the carpet and stuff in my house. Don't tell my parents. They still don't know. It's so, it's so gross, right? You've got to be thinking, oh, my goodness, Corey, that is so dirty. That's so unclean. I don't want anything to do with you. And, uh, you know, I kind of get that. It's um, definitely not uh, something I, I would encourage kids to do or um, anyone, for that matter. But, you know, I was a nose picker. And um, it's kind of gross. It's kind of really gross. It's unclean. You don't want to hang out with me. And I would pick my nose in school. And I remember other kids, you know, the kids in school that eat glue. And you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want to hang out with the kids that eat glue either. There, we have these social ideas of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and what's clean and what's unclean. And we, we sort of uh, exclude people based on those standards. We kind of say, well, no, I don't, I don't want to hang out with that person because, uh, because they eat glue. Or I don't want to hang out with Corey because he's a dirty nose picker. And uh, let's just be honest. We all do it. Come on. We all do it. We, 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 just, uh, we just don't admit it in public anymore or at all. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's, there's a stigma to it in society, and we, we, we sort of exclude people and form groups of people that, that don't do things that are unclean. And we, we sort of look at people that, that we think are unclean and do unclean things, and we exclude them. And uh, the story we're going to look at today discusses just that very thing. What, what's clean? What's unclean? Who's included? Who's excluded? Who's part of God's people? Who's not? And, and uh, we're going to start in Leviticus to get a little, a little background and a little history on, on uh, what's going on in the text we'll be focusing on today. And our primary text will be in Luke 5, uh, but we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 13. And in uh, Leviticus 13, we're, we're receiving here the, the laws on Mount Sinai from Moses, and, and, and they're coming from God, and, and God is sort of establishing a set of, of uh, commands for Israel to follow so that um, they're a holy nation and they're a light to the world and a light to the Gentiles. And, and God wants them to remain uh, pure and unblemished, and he wants them to be healthy, and he wants them to be prosperous. And so in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. And so we see here some regulations for what uh, constitutes leprosy and what doesn't. And, and uh, basically, if there's a sore on the body and it's deeper than the skin and the hair in that sore turns white, then uh, you could be considered a leper, and you likely would be considered a leper. And leprosy is, is uh, a communicable disease, 
And so these people were pronounced unclean. And then when we skip down to verse 46, the, the remaining chapter, remainder of that chapter continues on with other regulations for how to be pronounced unclean, um, who is unclean, who is fit. But we see the conclusion of all this in verse 46. It says, He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sword, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. And he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so, so this leprous person, the person that's pronounced unclean, is said to be uh, unfit to live in the camp of Israel with the rest of society. And it makes sense that that, that disease in such close quarters in, in uh, the ancient world would spread very quickly. And it, it, was, it could be very devastating for a group of people. So the, the command is that this, this leprous person is to live outside the camp, to dwell outside the camp, and they'd be alone. But it sort of can take on some bad implications. And, and eventually, this person that's living outside of the camp, that's dwelling alone, is going to be excluded from society. They're not going to be able to go to the market. They're not going to be able to buy things. Um, they're excluded from worship. They can't go to the temple. They can't go to... Uh, they can't go and be part of the people of God and participate in worship. They're excluded from their family because they're to dwell alone. They're to live alone. They're excluded from their friends. They become loners and sort of unwanted. And the reality of what dwelling outside of the camp and living outside of the camp became is that these people would just be outcast from society. They would be they would be like the untouchables in India, or they would be like the homeless people that we, we see in our own society and we just kind of ignore. We sort of pretend they're not there, and um, we just kind of move on with our day. And, and uh, we don't have any contact with them. We don't touch them. We, they're, they're unclean. Sort of like the, the kids that eat paste and, and boogers in school. We just kind of ignore them and pretend they're not there. And these people become so lonely and isolated and outcast from society that, that, uh, that it just drives their whole life. All that they can do is feel alone and downtrodden and cast out. So there is some, some good reason to understand that leprosy could, could have devastating effects on, uh, on the community. I, I have the flu right now, and parents, I was hanging out with your kids in children's church earlier. No, I'm kidding. I don't have the flu, and I wasn't hanging out with the kids earlier. But you see how a, a sort of sickness, it scares you. It kind of pushes you back, and it makes you want to say, wait, hold on a second. We don't want this to spread. We, we need to isolate it. We need to kind of quarantine it. But we can take this to an extreme where, where the person that's sick has no contact with people, and that's what leprosy developed into in the ancient world. See, leprosy and the, and the rules for leprosy sort of became this effective sentence for isolation and exclusion. When my, my dad, uh, most of you guys know that my dad's been sick for several months now, and uh, I was visiting him last weekend, actually. He was supposed to get a kidney transplant, and it didn't end up happening. Uh, that's a whole other story, but uh, the kidney failed last minute, and there should be a new kidney any time, but as I was visiting with him in the hospital, and after we got out of the hospital, my sister was getting over um, a really severe cold, 
And so to receive a transplant, you can't have any sort of sickness. Uh, you can't be sick when uh, a kidney or any other organ comes available because that increases the risk for infection and rejection of the organ that you'll be receiving. And so my sister has this horrible hacking cough and this terrible cold, and my dad is uh, now number one on the list to receive a kidney. And so my sister is, is uh, she's hanging out with us, and she's sitting around at my dad's house. And um, when my dad didn't receive the kidney, everybody was really devastated and really, really just uh, disheartened. And so everyone was comforting my dad and hugging him and saying, you know, I was telling him it's going to be okay. There's going to be another kidney. And so my sister started to uh, go towards my dad to give him a hug and say it was okay. And I'm standing, I'm standing next to my dad and I see my sister and I'm like, get away, you're unclean, you have a cold. You're going to get him sick and he's not going to get a kidney. Stay away. And, and uh, it, it was it, totally extreme, but, um, you know, I didn't want my dad to get a cold. And so I sort of pushed my sister away and, and wanted to keep her at arm's length. And at that moment, it, it occurred to me as I was, I was uh, thinking through this sermon, I was thinking, man, she's just like a leper. I'm kind of excluding her from the family and um, pushing her away, and I don't want her to, to get anyone sick. And so I'm telling my sister, ah, yeah, just stay over there in your little area, and we're going to hang out over here as as a family, and, uh, and so I ended up uh, hanging out with her more and spending more time with her, and we were still very careful to, uh, to not have um, my dad catch her cold, but at the same time, I wanted to include her, and as I thought about what she was feeling, and she was telling me about how much she just wants to give my dad a hug, and it really struck me that there's a lot of times in our lives that we can feel like lepers. I mean, do you feel excluded from society? Do you feel excluded from the church? Do you feel alone? Do you feel like you don't have anyone? I know that there's a lot of people here today and in the church in general and in my life that just feel excluded. And... uh, And it becomes easy for us to just sort of settle into that and not say, wait, no, hold on. That's not what things are supposed to be. That's not what life is supposed to be like. I'm not supposed to be excluded. I'm not supposed to be an outcast. I'm not supposed to be alienated from my family. I'm supposed to be included. I mean, can you imagine what it's like to to live as a leper? I think a lot of us can identify with that. We feel alone. We feel excluded. We feel like we're not wanted. And it doesn't have to be because we're sick. It can be for any number of reasons. Being a a single person in this church, not always the easiest to feel included. But I tell you what, you guys have made unbelievable effort to make me feel included in this church and loved in this church, and I love this church because of it. That's, that's why I do youth ministry here. That's why I come here every Sunday. It's because this is a family, and everyone's welcome. But that was the plight of lepers in, in the first century in ancient Israel. They were excluded. Nobody wanted them. They, they were cast out of the camp, and they'd have to live in their own little colonies, and they'd have to... Uh, just deal with it. 
And so when we turn over to, to Luke chapter 5, we find this story of Jesus and a leper. So turn there with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 12. So Jesus is, has been calling some disciples, and, and uh, a crowd is starting to form around him, and, and rumors are starting to circulate about who this Jesus guy is. And, and people are starting to hear, and they're starting to get curious, and people are starting to come to Jesus and ask questions. And so in verse 12, we read this. And it happened when he, that is Jesus, was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. And so there's this, this crowd forming around Jesus and, and there's this man that, that is an outcast, that's downtrodden, that's excluded, that's not welcome in society, that can't participate in worship, that can't participate in the assemblies of God, can't go to the synagogue, he can't go to the temple, he can't go to the market, he can't do anything. I mean, he is not welcome. He's dirty, he's unclean, he's got a cold and he's trying to get someone sick. So we're going to push him aside. We're going to get rid of him. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, Lord, if you're willing, if you want it to be, you can make me clean. And so, so this statement isn't simply, uh, you can make me uh, better physically. It is that. It is that. But it's so much more. It's this man saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me included in your people. You can allow me to have a life. You can allow me to, to interact with people. You can allow me to, to come in from being outcast and ostracized. And you can set me amongst your people simply by, by cleansing me, by healing me. If you're willing to do that, that can happen. And so this man makes the statement to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's not simply, you can heal my physical ailment. It's that you can set me right with God, if you're willing. You can put me amongst the people. You can help me become part of a family, part of a community, part of a society, and part of the world as it was always made to function. And so, verse 13, Jesus, verse 13 says this, and he, that is Jesus, put his hand out and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And so, so this man comes to Jesus and he falls on his face and he says, Jesus, Jesus, if you're willing, you can put me right with your people. You can put me right with God. You can include me in society. You can, you can make me welcome again. You can restore me to real life, to true life, to, to life as it was always made to function. And so to touch a leper means that you would be unclean and you'd have to go through all these ritual ceremonies to become clean again and they'd have to make sure you're not leprous. And what's Jesus do? He reaches out and he touches the man and he says, I'm willing. I'm willing. Be cleansed. So the statement of Jesus saying, I'm willing, this is what I want, is to say, yeah, I want you to be included. 
I want you to be part of my people. I want you to be part of, of this society. I want you to be part of, of the group of people that functions as a family and a community. I want you to be part of that. I wonder if that's how we feel about people. Do we, uh, do we really want everyone to be included in Jesus' economy and the church? I mean, do we want, um, do we want people that are uh, different races, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic status, different um, political parties, do we want those people to be included? You see, Jesus says, yeah, I want you to be included. I want all of those people to be included. I want the lepers, the outcasts. I want the people that are on the margins of society to be included. But it's not enough to simply say, yeah, that's, I, I want that. Jesus says, be cleansed. He commands the man, be cleansed. And, and in, the, in the next verse, it says that the leprosy immediately left him. And so Jesus reaches down and he says, yes, that's what I want. I want you to be included. I want you to be part of this. I want you to be part of my people. I want you to be reconciled to God. And the leprosy left the man, and immediately he was included. Jesus reached out. It wasn't simply enough to say, yes, that's what I want. I want all those people that are different than me. I want the people of different uh, political parties. I want the people uh, who, who have sin in their past. I want people who have sin in the present. I want people who uh, are of a different socioeconomic status, of a different race, of a different ethnicity, of a different denomination. I want those people included. It's one thing to say we want them included. It's another to reach out and, and say, yeah, you're part of this. I'm willing to stretch my hand out, take on the burden of, of becoming unclean so that you're included. So it's not about our prestige. It's not about us uh, looking the greatest or being the best. It's about us taking on the burdens of other people so that they can be included. Let's uh, continue reading in our text. Verse 13. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he, that is Jesus, charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. And so Jesus heals this man and he cleanses the leper and then he says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone about it. But instead, go and show yourself to the priests and to, uh, to offer a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Go prove to yourself to the priests that you're unclean. So part of the regulations for leprosy is that uh, if, if the leprosy was starting to go away, you would go and show yourself to the priests, and they would sort of put you in uh, isolation for seven days. And then after seven days, they would look at your sores again, and if they had gone away, then you were clean, and everything was good. You made an offering, and you went back to, to being part of the people of God. And this was all part of the process of, of what was expected of God's people and what they were going to do. 
And so commentators say that Jesus uh, here tells the man not to tell anyone because uh, Jesus isn't ready to, to uh, say that, yes, my, my divinity is what I'm here to talk about and the cross. And, uh, and, and I think they're right to a certain extent, but I think there's something a little more to this narrative as Luke presents it. And so when Jesus tells the leper to go and to offer a sacrifice to Moses, it's not simply saying, well, I'm not ready to reveal who I am just yet in the narrative. There is some hints at that, and I think commentators are right to note that. But I think much more than that, it's, it's Jesus' way of saying, get on with being part of the people of God. This is what they do. You're cleansed of your leprosy. This is what God's people do when they have leprosy. Now go show yourself to the priest and get on with the life of being part of that. So it's not that Jesus says, yeah, I want you to be part of this people, and he brings him into it, and then that's the end of it. No, there's much more than that. Once we bring those people in, once Jesus heals these people, once they're moved and they believe in Jesus, once, once Jesus uh, cleanses them, then get on with doing what the work of God. It doesn't stop when Jesus cleanses people. It doesn't stop when somebody believes in Jesus for the first time. No, it's much more get on with the life of the church. Get on with, with carrying out God's mission and plan in the world. And so when Jesus says to this man, go and, and present yourself to the priests, as Moses commanded, he's saying, get on with it. You're included now. Be part of that. Participate in that life. It's not this sort of safety net to make sure that, well, yeah, the man's actually clean. It's that the man actually gets to do this. He actually gets to participate in the work of God. Can you imagine the excitement of this leper who for years has been excluded and cast out from society and rejected by everyone, and all of a sudden Jesus says, yeah, I want you to be part of this. And the man is cleansed from his leprosy, and now what's he get to do? He gets to go to the temple that he's not been allowed to go to for years, and he gets to interact with a priest who he's not been allowed to see for years. And the priest sees him and says, yeah, you're clean now. You get to be part of this. You're participating in what Israel was meant to do and what God's people were meant to do. You get to be part of it. And the cleansing is just the start. And so it is with us. So it is with us. When we believe in Jesus, God brings us into his people and he sets us right with his people and he sets us right with himself. And, and th- that's only through faith. Only through faith. And through that, Jesus cleanses us. And then we get to carry out the life of the church. It doesn't stop at that one moment. It's not simply that, well, now we're clean and everything's great and fancy. Yeah, that's good. That's necessary. That's the start. But now... It's time to live out the life of the church. It's time to do what God has commanded. Verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. So so Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Go get on with being part of the people of God. Verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to healed by him of their affirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. 
See, for those of us that are part of the church, we who have believed in Jesus, who have been cleansed, it's our mission to take that good news to others. It's our mission to, to live out the life of the church and to participate in this, this sort of reconciliation where, where you're no longer excluded, now you're included. It's our mission to take that out to people. It's our mission to take the good news of Jesus' healing hand out to others. And it's our mission to wipe away these barriers that mark people off as excluded. Now, what are those barriers that we're, we're, we're recognizing? Are they um, the kid who eat pace, eats pace? Are they homeless people? Are they people of a different socioeconomic status? Are they people who have different different ideas about governance? Are they single mothers, single fathers? Are they people who have messed up in the past? It's our mission now to go out and to wipe those barriers away and say, these can't block you from worshiping the risen Lord. It's never in our own strength. Notice that Jesus was being surrounded and there was so much work to do and he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It's never in our own strength that we're carrying out this mission. It's always in the strength of God. It's always through the Spirit of God that we're carrying this mission out. It's by dependence and prayer and being in stride with the Spirit. Doing what God wants us to do through his strength. And just as Jesus withdrew to pray and connect with God and find strength in the Spirit, we must also do that. We have to draw near to God to find strength to carry out this mission only by the Spirit of God. And so today I want to ask you, who are the people around you that that have barriers that need to be broken down? Who are the people around you that, that are excluded from God and society and excluded from the church because there's a barrier blocking them? Maybe it's orphans. Maybe it's widows. Maybe it's single mothers or single fathers or people who have sinned in the past grievously. Maybe it's those who doubt. Maybe it's those uh, who are homeless who don't think they fit in in the church for any number of reasons. Maybe it's you. Maybe you don't feel like you fit in. Maybe you don't feel welcome. What do we do to bring those people in? We have to wipe those barriers away. We have to wipe those barriers away and say, you know what, these, these can't block you from worshiping Jesus. And it's not enough to say, I want you to worship Jesus. We also have to take a step out, put our hand out, as Jesus did when he healed this man, and say, I'm going to carry your burden. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this with you. It's not just about us wanting this. It's about us actually getting on with the life of the church. That's how we do it. 
together in community and individually. And what are the barriers that we're putting up? What are we setting up as a barrier that's blocking people from worship? Have we, have we said, no, somebody that, that's part of this church or somebody that's part of, of uh, the people of God has to be certain things. Maybe those things are certain uh, political ideologies, uh, theological statements. Now, some theological statements are absolutely necessary to be part of the church. Uh, namely, uh, Jesus is Lord, that, uh, that God is triune, and... These, these sort of things, those are absolutely necessary to be part of the church. But there are certain other things that well, we don't need to exclude people for. There's, there's room for play in some things and not room in others. Negotiables and non-negotiables, they're often called. What about social issues that block people from worshiping God? Maybe someone's not conservative enough or liberal enough. Maybe they're too conservative. Maybe they're too liberal. What are, what are the political and social, the, the socioeconomic uh, expectations that we put up? And if, if these people don't meet our expectations, do we exclude them? Do we not want to spend time with them? Do we want, not want to love them, carry their burdens, to work with them? What about certain moral convictions? There's gray area in a lot of different things. Um, Neil's preached many times in the past about grace and things that aren't for sure. That, that if you have a conviction about a certain thing, but it's not necessarily the conviction of someone else, uh, when those things aren't addressed directly in the scriptures, then we need, to, we need to be flexible with each other. What about marriage and divorce and singleness and, and uh, well, not singleness, marriage. Um, what, what, about, what about those sort of things? Do we expect that, well, you're a part of the church, you should get married and have kids? That's, that's good, and that's great, and that's grand, and I'm all for that, but that doesn't make somebody part of the church. Are we erecting these sort of barriers to determine who can and can't be part of the church? If we are, we have to recognize those things and break them down and say, that's not what makes somebody part of the church. The only thing that makes somebody part of the church is faith in Christ. That's it, nothing else. The person who trusts the risen Lord, that's the person that belongs in the church. And all are welcome. And Jesus has said, I'm willing that you're included in this people. He's reached down. He's sacrificed his life and risen from the dead, which we will celebrate not only today, but in a couple weeks in a very uh, real way. That sacrifice, that death and resurrection is what makes this community real. And faith in that death and resurrection is what brings us into it. Let's not exclude anybody or anything else. Let's not exclude people on social or 
or uh, political or uh, marital or moral issues. Um, There's a place for some of that. But on the whole, Jesus wants to wipe away the barriers that are blocking people from worship. Let us not be the people that are putting them up. And let us not be the people that are saying they should stay in place. Let's knock them down. And let's say Jesus wants to restore you. He wants you to be part of his people. Let's pray. God, we uh, we confess that um, we are inadequate, that we often uh, fall short, that we are far too judgmental. Uh, But God, we also recognize that uh, we're people that are in the process of change. So God, we thank you that you've saved us and that you're changing us, that you're helping us to become people who model your love and model your grace and model what you have said and done. And so God, help us to be a people of inclusion, people that that on the basis of faith include people in the community. Help us to uh, reach out to those that feel alone, who feel like lepers, and help us to love them and include them. God, we pray that you would do this for your own glory and that you would do this for all who are in the world. We pray this in the risen name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.